From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So you might have noticed last week, we had 100,000 subscribers on the channel. We did. You know that? We did. 100,000 yeah. YouTube subscribers is a gigantic mm -hmm. milestone for us. I am thrilled to see that. You and I have been talking about it for a while, and we were wondering what exact day it was going to hit. And it was sometime yeah, last yeah. week, as I recall. Mm -hmm. I'm yes, just, it was. It was. I'm thrilled and, and thankful to all of you for listening and watching and building that number. We're really celebrating well, I mean, that milestone. Yeah, we're excited about it. And, and you know, at some point we'll get, you may have heard about this, YouTube gives gives out little trophies at 100,000 and at a million subscribers, or obviously it weighs from a million, <laughs> but it took us a while hey, just to get to 100,000 because, exactly, took us a while to get 100,000 because, uh, let's acknowledge the reality, and that is in the world of YouTube, YouTube, you're better off doing lots of content fast than slow content of high quality. Yet you and I have stuck by. We wanted to do quality for mm -hmm. us, for you guys. That was important. And so we're really very excited, even though it took us a while, to get to 100,000 subscribers while maintaining our quality. And that's even been our struggle with our recent ramp up to weekly content. We've still wanted to stay very high quality. We have no intention of leaving that. Thank you guys for responding to that. We, we are really believing this 100,000 is the beginning of major changes for this show. Yeah, So agreed. thank you for being part of that first hundred thousand. We're gonna have to do some sort of fun video once we get that little thing from YouTube. Just to just to thank you guys again to do something fun, and that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It really is. We're we're thrilled. So thank you guys so much. We're debating for today's podcast merits of a car from two people who've written in to us. By the way, we have had so many people write in, and thank you for doing mm -hmm. that as well. Yep. If we have not gotten to your email yet, believe me, we will. We have read it. It is ready to go to tee up at some point. But Ross from Maryland and Colin from I don't know where because he didn't tell us. He didn't say. But Ross and okay. Colin have written in something that is – they've written in actually – you mentioned six months apart. But they yeah. tie together, and which is Remarkably so similar. Yep. They're, yep. Uh, they're writing in. So Ross's question here is, again, debating the merits of your car. And his specific question is, what's more important – for your first enthusiast purchase, is it something that is fun to drive or something that mm -hmm. makes you a better driver? And he acknowledges in here that there is a lot of overlap, but I'm excited yes. to talk yes. about this in relation to the cars that we drive that go back. I've, I've mm -hmm. mentioned before, mm -hmm. once a car goes back and, you know, they, the press fleet takes it back and we wash our hands of it, I'm in a lot of cases thrilled to see it go. But there mm -hmm. are some cars that I wish they didn't. But this is so cool because Colin's question is, what's, uh, you know, any chance of you guys talking about cars you have owned or cars you want to own in the future? And yeah. what are your thoughts? Because, of course, it's the big question when everybody asks you, what's your favorite car? What car would you buy? And you think, oh, yeah. my gosh, the question, what price range are we talking about? You know, what does yeah. it have to do? Is you know, well, I mean, it's what, so what's funny. great is that both these guys acknowledge. But I mean, Ross, in the middle of his "which is more important" question about you know, uh, teach you to be a better driver or is it a fun car, he says, "Would you guys relate that 
to your first cars. Yeah. And which, how does that inform your discussion? And then here comes Colin with, hey, what, what cars have you owned and how do you feel about them upon reflection? I felt these tied together. They were months apart on submissions. I'm telling you guys, we're reading all of these. We're trying to match them up and to make little shows out of them. And sometimes you're writing in things that we aren't going to cover because we covered it already. But trust me, we're reading all of them. These are great. We're talking about cars we've owned, we want to own, and what's a good first car. I love this. And now that you've said that... Got that some, leads uh, me to something that just happened. You've got some big news That's to right. share, don't you? Uh, yes, but besides just the 100,000 subscriber thing, which, again, I'm still floored by that and really, really excited by it. I do. Yeah, I think it's yeah, the beginning yeah. of something. But speaking of the beginning, we're adding to our long-term review ownership fleet because I have been talking about getting a new car. I have sold the Saab 92X, and I just bought an orange FRS. That's right. I bought orange. I'm going to acknowledge <laughs> that I bought the hot lava color. I like cars in colors, especially sports cars. When, when I actually, I didn't tell you this, Paul, when I went in to talk to the guy about buying this car after I did the test drive and all that, I okay. went in and I said to, right. to, to Mike that was helping me out, I said to Mike, I said, Mike, I'll be really honest with you. I like the car and I even like the color. And I don't think most people are going to say that to you. So, you know, I have an orange FRS now, which I'm very excited about. We will be doing long-term ownership review, reviews and videos of this car. We're going to try to not do the typical, so this is the FRS and this yeah, is what we're it does. Not That's do been that. covered Definitely. by us and everybody else. We're going to try to do a few atypical tuning things to this car, which not only gets us into tuning discussion, but hopefully some tuning stuff you haven't heard a lot about for these cars, just so we can do something different. But again... Like you guys, like with the Cayenne that we just started for long term, I bought this used. I had a very firm budget. I said last week my budget was twenty grand, not twenty five, not twenty seven, twenty grand, folks. Yep. So I looked yep. at FRSs, I looked at BRZs. Paul teased me because what I really wanted was a Lotus, but that was only ten grand out of my budget. So you know, the the, the truth came down to the BRZs we found because because I had a course I included Paul in this discussion. I kept going, look at this car, look at this car, driving him nuts. The BRZs we found at that price, there was one locally. It was a branded title, and I just I couldn't stomach that. I really couldn't. Yeah, I'm this glad you FRS, didn't. Honestly, I, I'm glad you ended yeah, up with this I, car. I think so too. This FRS is interesting. It was it's actually I'm the third owner. I got it for just under twenty grand, uh, but the way I talk to this guy, just so so you know, if you're having this conversation, one of the things that can catch people out is you think, oh great, I got this car for this amount of money, and then they come back with the real figure because it's tax, title, license, add-ons, madness. All yeah, of my discussion agreed, agreed. at the dealer was, I want to talk about the leave the dealer figure, which was great, very helpful, and I think I got a pretty good deal on the car. I'm pretty happy about it, and they seem to be as well. Which probably means they got me for something. But still, hey, I got a car with a good deal. <laughs> they still it made money. It has almost, of course they did. They had almost 37,000 miles on it. So, of course, that means it's out of warranty. However, and I wasn't shopping for this, but it's a nice add-on. It's a Toyota certified vehicle. I got it from a Toyota dealer. So I have an extra full year of bumper-to-bumper -bumper warranty that is offered by Toyota because it's certified. So here's this car with nearly 40,000 miles, and I've got a full warranty on it, which is really cool. I think this is so great. And just to hint a little bit more to things coming with this car, where things we're going to do to it. When you brought it home, and I came over to your house, mm -hmm. and you had it pulled into the garage, something about your tires that you had on the car. They, there's the yeah. original wheels, but something about your tires, yeah. it caught my eye, and I thought, I don't think those are original tires. I don't think those are mm -hmm. stock. Mm -hmm. And you and I both looked at them, and it turns out they are not, which obviously, nope. okay, so you're the third owner, but... 
They are mm -hmm. not stock tires, and you know you're going to be driving this car all year round. This is going to be oh yeah, you know yeah, winter, spring, summer. We're going to do the number of people that have asked things. that question here in Utah already <laughs> that have said. Well, what are you going to do in the winter? And, and, and we're, look, I'm putting it out there. This is a year-round car, folks. We're going to put winter tires on it. We're going to test our theory. And our theory that we've mm -hmm. been beating into you, I know, I know we're tire geeks, me especially, but our theory is the number of people that write in and go, I have to have all-wheel drive. I could never drive rear-wheel drive in the snow. We're going to test that theory. We're going to put winter yeah. tires on this, and yeah. I'm going to drive it in the snow, which could make for some very funny video and possibly some ridiculous spins. Either... We will do our best to debunk the theory that rear-wheel drive is bad for snow, or I will wind up balled up somewhere on a freeway. Either way, there will be video. <laughs> Letting the good folks at, uh, at the emergency services that you have found the limits of your tires. Could you yes. come, please, Appar get me? Appar apparently, apparently <laughs> I was wrong. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to put that no, out there right no, now, and let's hope and so pray either. it doesn't. But but that's the thing. It is going to be a year-round car, but we're also going to do some stuff with showing you differences in tires, and I don't mean Here's this tire. Here's yeah, what it does. We've got no. a couple fun ideas to show you some differences in tires. We're going to use this car as a platform for that, and I promise you we will not be doing a boring tire video. Just wait. I can't tell you anymore, but I just wait on that. <laughs> but this will be a cool long-term ownership car. Tires in the snow, tires in the summer. But right now it's got what I would say is, is like a mid-grade tire. What I mean is the originals are those, uh, those Eco tires similar to what's on the Prius. It's the Michelin Eco tires. Yes. Then what I really want is Pilot Supersports. This is almost dead center. These are, these are Michelin Pilot all seasons. They're almost the dead center between those two extremes of tire. And I've already pushed it kind of hard enough to discover Have that you? they definitely stick. Yeah, they they definitely stick better uh, than the than the standard tires. I've done a couple things where on the standard tire I would have had the back way out. On this, I've had a tiny little tiny little shift. On the Pilot mm. Super Sports, though, I'm pretty sure I would not have moved at all. Hmm. This car feels great. It feels wonderful. And and and, and I will acknowledge I wanted a Lotus Elise. I did. Sure. I did. I can't afford one. So you know, I I so I really pursued that. What's a car that's light? What's a car I can afford, let's be honest? And what's a car that, that has that driver involvement thing, which comes back to Ross's question about what, how should you be pursuing an enthusiast car? Well, yeah. So I wanted that driver involvement thing. Yeah. And I also, you know, you and I have talked about tracking this car. I wanted something that was going to be cheap to maintain and new enough that we didn't have to be looking over our shoulder and worrying about it. So this checks the boxes in all of those regards. I want to keep the the conversation going. You know, usually we just switch to the car debates, but Ross and Colin's questions integrate so well with mm -hmm. you know with the cars that you've gotten. And by the way, congratulations! You've actually kind of turned over your mm -hmm. garage within the last six months. You realize that? That's fantastic. Yes, it's, it's kind of insane. You would you amazing. would here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know that my next door neighbor is looking at me going, what happened there? Because we went from an Acadia and a beat-down Sabre. I mean, I love it. I love it. And the people that bought it are thrilled by it. And it, it's still a great car. But, I mean, it's a 10-year-old car with 200,000 miles on it. We went from that and Acadia to a Cayenne and an FRS. And I know they're thinking we are suddenly rich. But the truth of it is, both of those cars were pretty affordable because they were both used. Mm -hmm. So we don't have that much money in cars. I mean, all told, if you think about it, I mean, I'm just going to put the numbers out there. All told, you know, we talk on Everyday Driver about cars less than 50 grand. I rotated my whole garage over for less than 50 grand. Far, so, far less than yeah, 50 grand, absolutely. actually. So, so that's the thing. I, I, I look like I've got this rock star baller garage <laughs> now compared to what I did six months ago. 
but we just tried really hard to shop smart. And honestly, this is the top of our budget, but we've just we've gotten some cars we're excited about. You know, it's interesting you brought up the Elise because, you know, kudos to you for you know, knowing what you want, you know, back to the question of, so what's your favorite car? What car would you rather have? Mm -hmm. Of course, Elise, you know, is topping your list, but you got the FRS that checks so many other boxes that you can be happy with. And it's, it's an excellent second choice, but related Mm. to Ross's question here about fun versus things that make you a better driver. What I'm enjoying seeing is just thinking about both of our car ownership through the years just in terms of mm-hmm. you know where we started you know based on budget you know we didn't have very good cars i don't think a lot of people do it <laughs> you know from 16 to 25 maybe it's it's amazing the the people that turn those cars over and have a lot of ownership mm-hmm. i mean just tax title and license alone just the fees in you know purchasing a car alone is what scares me off and so therefore i think in sure. terms of sure. all right i'm going to have this car for a while i just paid a boatload of cash for the just the fees alone, so I think we'll hang on to it. So get something you really like, but the FRS has done that for you, which I really love. Yeah, but I'm excited he, about it. Here's I mean, the deal. His question is, fun to drive or better driver? A lot of overlap. For me, it was owning this Porsche 928, which had a lot of power, and that mm-hmm. is fun. Mm-hmm. But the Cayman, obviously being mid-engine, that really pushed my skills because I have a favorite on-ramp where I used to live in California. Yeah, I would yeah, yeah. love to take people on this this ramp with me who were unsuspecting because they didn't know what this car can do. Generally, people don't push that hard, and I like to feel the limits of those tires, obviously depending on mm-hmm. the road conditions and the weather and the tire temperature, all that sure. stuff. But I, I'm always enjoying starting to feel that, which is something I never really did with a 928. It handled well. But it, yeah. it was all about the power. And I kind of think and related to, to Ross's question here, you know, power versus better driver. Because that FRS, mm-hmm. you can find the limits of. I think you're already starting to, you know, with the tires Absolutely. that are on there. That mm-hmm. is continually making you and I better drivers. It has less power, but you can explore the limits further, safely, more controllably. It's more That's, predictable. You're absolutely right. Versus That's what I wanted. Power That's what I is wanted. fun. Let's just be honest. Power equals absolutely. fun. It's, it's a hoot. At the extreme well, end of that is the Hellcat. That is a absolutely. lot of Thank fun. Thank you for bringing up the Hellcat. That's, totally agree with you. The that was my example, too. It, just, mm-hmm. it made both you and I giggle uncontrollably like, what on yeah. earth? What has earth created yeah. here? This is ridiculous. But I I don't want to go explore the limits of that car because from a a limits, from a speed perspective, limits perspective on that car, you're going to be so fast. And now you are also so incredibly heavy. If you just want to compare it to the FRS for a second, it's nearly twice the car in weight and it is more (laughs) than three times the horsepower. It's more than three times the horsepower. That's unbelievable. Okay. So, I mean, the the thing that you and I kind of laughed and shook our heads about was in in that Hellcat. You could put your foot to the floor for roughly two or three seconds, and you were already at arrestable speeds. And you're done. Right, right. Okay? This FRS, I'm already finding all kinds of opportunities to floorboard it. And don't get me wrong. Most of the time, and and we're at altitude, too. Most of the time, I'm not floorboarding it and thinking, wow, (laughs) this is slow. In fact, you know what? I didn't even tell you this. I beat a guy. He didn't know it was coming. I beat a guy today on an on-ramp. He was in a, a Camaro SS convertible thinking he was a baller. We had a a 90-degree corner to an on-ramp. He had the inside line, and I schooled him. Really? 
How and funny. it was it, absolutely, and it was entirely because I got on the power so much earlier in the corner, and it just stuck. It's not because that car is anywhere close to the, car, the power of his car, but I had it all over him just because I was able to put it to the floor and know it would stick. So, so I mean, therefore, this is what you're we're talking about. You know your car. You know the limits of your car. You're able to carry your speed through the exit. As we found out mm-hmm. at the ST Octane Academy, exit speed is king. Ask oh, any yeah, yeah. racing driver across the board. Exit speed is king. So you were able to know your car better, know what those all-season tires are doing, and therefore, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, anybody mm-hmm. can mash the throttle on a huge horsepower car. I see these these drag racing videos of the 2,000 horsepower whatever, and I think, okay, and how is that fun? Well, it just and, and what I, did that prove? You know, I, hey, but it's but it's fun in the same way that getting on a roller coaster and going from zero to sixty in a second and a half is fun. It's fun in that I regard, suppose. but it's fun it's fun because you're along for the ride more than it is a precision thing. And and that who are you as a driver? If you're mm-hmm. a driver who wants the giggle, then I will acknowledge the FRS is not as much of a laugh as you need for the I'm on the freeway, I put my foot to the floor. That's not going to work. <laughs> like, it's just not. And that's the end but, of the power. <laughs> exactly. But but back to Ross's question though. Ross, I would say the following to you. If if, if this was an early driver, and when I say an early driver, I mean let's say somebody under 20. Okay, if you are an early driver and you're looking for a good car for you as an enthusiast, I would say get something underpowered, possibly even wickedly underpowered, that is manual, that will teach you to be a better driver. One of the other things that attracted me to the FRS was the fact that I wanted a car that I could explore the limits of because while I do believe that I've become a far better driver over the course of this show, I am also aware, it's like that old adage, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. It's that thing. I have become aware of the fact that I'm not nearly the driver I would like to be. I wanted a car that I could really be at the limits of a lot without being at 150 so that I could mm-hmm. just explore my own driving capability. And the first car I owned, back now I'm kind of rolling in Colin's question here. The first car I had, you and I have laughed about this car before. Yeah, we have. I had a, I had a 1982, it's the first year of that body style, Pontiac Firebird. Now, if you can't envision that, that is the kit car. That is the kit <laughs> body style, Okay. <laughs> This was this was a, a like a, almost a maroon color. All right, it had the it had like fake BBS eighties wheels on it. Oh, I was I so excited that. about this oh, car. Oh, it's funny. it's Paul. Oh. It, the, the story only gets worse. It only gets worse. I'm going to acknowledge it. I was so excited about this car. I, I swear I thought I was Miami Vice. It's all bad. Okay, it's, it's it, the, the the story. Trust me, the story is terrible. I've okay? heard about this car I, in bits and pieces, but I didn't know I that. Will, That's funny. I will even acknowledge this. There are photos. That I have told my wife can never see the light of day. Okay, oh my this, gosh. this, this. You, you want to talk about things you're embarrassed of in your past? Me and this car is high on that list. But here's the good news: this car. Well, this isn't good news, but you'll see how I get there. This <laughs> okay. car had ninety horsepower. Ninety modern riding lawnmowers a, have more. You know that? It was a two. Well, people here's that the, here's mow your lawn have more horsepower. Well, I'll go you one further. When I was sixteen. I was bagging groceries. That was what my job was. And I was taking flight lessons in a Cessna 152. And I would drive my car and spend most of my paycheck (laughs) flying a Cessna. And I loved that. But here was the thing. It dawned on me one day that the Cessna that I was flying had more horsepower than my car. And was probably lighter, too. Oh, 
weighed a quarter what my car did almost and had more horsepower. I was like, okay, this thing can actually fly and, and, and weighs a fraction of my car and has more horsepower than my car, which is supposedly a sports car. So this was a two and a half liter four cylinder from GM. It had all of 90, that's right, nine zero horsepower. You think the FRS is underpowered? You have no idea. <laughs> the FRS is a rocket but ship it, compared to that. But it had, the FRS, the FRS may as well be a drag car by comparison. But anyway, oh but here's the thing. It had a four speed manual. Now, I loved this car. I was 16. I was in love with this car, which which makes you overlook a lot of the ills. I loved the look of it. I loved the feel of it. It was not a good car. But it taught me to drive manual transmission so well. It taught me about power band. It taught me about if I don't shift here versus here, I am not going to get past this guy. I learned those realities. But because it was 90 horsepower, honestly, how much trouble could I get in? And the answer is not that much. Right. Okay? And then, and I don't recommend this, then... That thing was plagued with alternator issues. And for a, se- for a season, before we got rid of that car, guess why? But for a season, I was carrying extra alternator. No, no, no. We got rid of it because of this problem. I was carrying extra alternator belts in the back hatch because halfway to school every day, halfway to school, I would throw an alternator belt. And so after school, I would go to the parking lot, pop the hood, put a new alternator belt on, and drive home. That was every day. Wow. So, yeah, that was my first car. But the good news is it taught me with no power. I had to learn how to drive stick well. And that's why I say to you, Ross, I think a better driver car, you can't be a car you hate. You can't be something you slog your way to the parking lot Oh, certainly not. But I think you have to lean toward the thing that will make you a better driver, even if it isn't a rocket ship. You know, we're even hearing of stories about, you know, new drivers refusing to learn manual transmission. And I would like to throw this Mm -hmm. in as... Mm -hmm a requirement. I feel like it doesn't matter where the car industry goes, whether it, whether or not, you know, manuals cease to exist, which I hope they don't, mm. you know, in new cars, sure, but sure. whether or not they cease to exist or we're all, you know, tomorrow riding autonomously driven cars, I, you've got to learn to drive stick. It's just one of those things. You need to know how to tie a tie and back a trailer and <laughs> manual transmission is on that list. It just is. Yeah. And that's part of the driving experience because you're more integrated with what the car's doing, I feel like. And that's so, the key thing about it. Yeah. It yes, teaches you it teaches you yes, what the power. engine and transmission are doing. Yeah. It teaches you the balance because in a racing situation or a high speed situation, downshifting too early, you can break traction and you need to know where on a car it's going to do that. Whereas a mm, a mm. dual clutch or just a flappy paddle gearbox, it's going to wait and calculate and do that all for you. So there's dynamics sure, about sure. the car that modern cars are just simply going to do for you. I mean, I even say mm-hmm. if you have the opportunity to drive a low-powered car that doesn't have anything on it, like traction control or ABS, those are you know, fewer if you and can, far. best of luck finding you. But yeah, yeah I, I they're, hear you. they're hard to find and, you know, few and far between. But, uh, you know, the, the fun part can come if you, you know, initial early drivers start with cars that, you know, don't have a lot of power, but they will turn you into a better driver because you'll be so attuned to the dynamics of the car. And then when you add power and you add speed, then you will start to understand the dynamics at higher speeds. Just like in a racing situation where instructors will tell you, start out just going through the corner, but take the correct line. And then build your speed. Start doing things correctly and then build speed. Speed will always come. But if you're doing Mm -hmm. everything correctly through the corner, 
then you've got it figured out as your speed builds. This is something instructors will tell you across the board at just about any driving school. Sure. I mean, sure. high performance driving school. So, you know, yes, yeah. there's some overlap between, you know, I'd say that Elise for you would be a good overlap between, you know, fun and continually making you a better driver because mid engine, yeah. oh, it's yeah, going to yeah. bite you sometimes. You know, you, yeah, you take the Elise like too far, you're, it's very hard to get it back. It's extremely hard to get it back. You know, yeah. it'll bite you. But, you know, I started to find that with the Cayman. I, I started to be, mm-hmm. you know, explore the mm-hmm. limits of that. And, you know, all right, today's traction control day off. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, you know, things like that. I mean, my first car was a little bit less interesting than yours. It was a Jeep Grand Cherokee <laughs> from 1977 that my dad had undercoated after the first big snowstorm of the year. And in Minneapolis, where I grew up, oh, no. they salt the road. And so we essentially sealed uh-huh. in the salt. He sealed in the, the salt. And it, so it, it, it could just, only get better from there. Yes. I could like pull pieces of the car apart with my fingers. And <laughs> I guess that's why I have these <laughs> this sort of Jeep proclivities. That's why I got a new Jeep Grand oh, Cherokee. It just reminded me it. of Jeep, you know, all things Jeep. And it's it's just it's funny because when you think Jeep, you think CJ. When I think Jeep, I think Grand Cherokee. But yeah, nevertheless, right. I, that's yeah. that's what has driven me back towards getting this this new Jeep Grand Cherokee. But uh, you know, I had front wheel drive cars to start with, and then once that 928 happened, honestly, I don't think I was ever really into Porsche before that car happened, and I I was just looking for something fun. That was mm-hmm. the requirement, mm-hmm. and I thought, yeah. all right, that's yeah, a yeah. great looking car. Always admired them. Something different and, you know, kind of the German Corvette in a sense. And that car was fast and it started me really down the road of doing, you know, really paying more attention to corners and just going mm-hmm. out for fun drives. Because now, yeah, I think you're just going to take the FRS just, you know, Thursday afternoon fun drives, you know, need to get out. You know just, it. You know it. Well, it's therapy. You know, you, you know that? Something, something just struck me I hadn't thought of until this moment. Hmm. You know, you had your 928 when I had my 300ZX. We had them at the same time. Yeah, and it's you're like right. We, we, we both reached a fun car at the same time that was a pivotal car, like a pivotal pivot point for us to really get into the enthusiast drivers we were and to want to do this show. I mean, both of those cars were instrumental in kind of pushing us over the edge to doing this show in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I had between that, between that Firebird, really quickly, between that Firebird, I had two Caprice Classics after that. So if you don't know what that is, look up the, the <laughs> 1980 to 1990 Chevrolet Caprice Classic. It was the cop car of the 80s and early 90s. Man. My father was obsessed with those cars. We must have had four. And so they were the, the hand-me-down car of the Deacon household. So anyway, so I had two different Caprice Classics, both of which I got big lectures on how awesome they were when he handed them down to me. But anyway, so they, so I, I in fact, yeah, you remember the one that I had. But anyway, I do. He's still Chevy but, guy so, too, which is so great. Oh yeah, so so I had so I had those. You know, they had big V8s in them, but not big powerful V8s compared to what you have now. I mean, decent torque, but really, so big automatics. You know, it's got the the transmission on the tree and big automatics, and it's got the big the one of them at least had the big uh, old style speedometer, which is like the big rectangle speedometer oh, where yeah. the needle goes from like all the way the western horizon to all. All the way to the eastern horizon. I mean, all, all the way to eighty-five. <laughs> you, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be careful. All right. the way to eighty-five. So yeah. So those were the, that was the big boats. I had two of those in a row, 
And then I drove my, I had a hand-me-down for my wife after I got married. She got her Wrangler. I got her uh, Explorer that she had, like, first-gen Explorer, by the way, with a stick shift. That was a, that was a rare beast. Still running at the time that we got mm. married, which is kind of amazing as well. Drove that for a while. Didn't like it very much, but drove it for a while. By the way, <laughs> that generation why. Explorer had a shockingly loud engine. You could hear me coming from down the block. When I started dating my wife, I knew when she pulled up out front of my apartment because I could hear the engine coming across the complex. It was crazy. And, was and there was f- nothing. Here's the thing. There was nothing wrong with it, by the way. It just <laughs> this was is, loud. This is normal operating. This is, <laughs> exactly. this is when it's running normally. So I, had, I can't imagine I when it's that. something wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So I had that, and then I got just weird, weird left turn. You remember this car? I had an Audi 90, a 1990 Oh, yeah, I do remember that car. Which was right before Audi introduced the A4. This is a small car. This was smaller than the current uh, uh, A3, okay? That's what we're talking about. You didn't have that very long. not a very big car. I forgot. I had it about eight months, but it was the first German car I'd ever owned. And and reliability-wise, it was not that great, and it was expensive to fix. But it was my first front-wheel drive car experience, and I actually kind of enjoyed that different feel, especially on turn-in. Front-wheel drive's got a very different turn-in. It's a very immediate turn-in. I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the fact that it was a 1990, and I had this in the early 2000s, by the way, and yet, in spite of that, the interior felt pretty modern because the interiors, even then, Audi was trying to be way ahead of the curve. So that car was educational more than I liked it. And then after that, finally, I got that 300ZX right around the time you got that 928. And I hate to say it, but it's kind of that's kind of the rest is history moment. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I've, that's right. I, I loved uh, – I remember the day you brought that Z home and you let me drive it. And it was just mm-hmm. such a revelation because it had good tires on it. It had 18s on it, I think. Mm-hmm. had yeah, good it tires. I just I really enjoyed uh, driving that thing, and then yeah, the rear wheel drive experience that both you and I had it started pushing us towards, huh, power plus the rear wheel drive experience, and starting down the road of that balance, and mm-hmm. yeah, that that balance is something that I think we're always searching for. You know, it's got to be fun to drive, but it's continually got to push us. I feel like if if there's something lurking in the car which i liked about the alpha 4c that you know something that you felt like was there to master that's what draws me to cars you know so i consider mm-hmm. things like that um gosh i'm considering all kinds of things right now um <laughs> right now it's it's the budget question for me i'm just kind of well yeah i know uh, you're you're shopping i mean you're you're on the other side of the equation where i am i just landed the car and you're still yeah, trying you to did. figure out what to land which is interesting i mean but yeah that 928 was was a bigger car certainly from your cayman but oh, I, yeah. I watched i enjoyed driving that car man it was fun i i loved driving that car but it felt like a big cruiser it, the z it, car it was, felt yeah. like felt more agile than the 928 but the Z, I did not have a turbo. So the Z was not that powerful. It was really low and wide. That was the thing that was interesting mm-hmm. and educational about it, is the center of gravity was fairly low in that car. Now, it's not as low as the FRS, but it was fairly low. And that low and wide feel with rear-wheel drive, for the first time in my life, I started doing canyon runs for fun. I just go do 200 miles on a Sunday morning just because it was Sunday and I may as well go drive. You know what I mean? It was, I started doing that for the first time in my life because that Z car would teach me. And I was learning things about, okay, turn in at this point on this road that I've learned versus this point. Turn at this point. Get on the gas earlier. Feel how it rotates the car. Feel how it kills the understeer. Now, because it was an older car, because it had T-tops, there was some chassis flex to it. 
Yeah. So it certainly yeah. is not a car I'd want to own this minute unless I had a garage of fun. I'd get one for nostalgia. But uh, <laughs> but but that right, but the 300ZX right. was really educational, and you actually drove it a lot. I mean, we loved that car. We really did. I I yeah, we worked on that a lot. We wrenched on that quite a bit. That was fun. Good memories there. I'm trying to think. Uh, what else? My list is not that long for car ownership. I've had two Honda Accords, so both front-wheel mm-hmm. drive there. One all-wheel drive car, which was the Audi A4 Ultrasport. Sold that mm-hmm. last year and then sold the Cayman and now back to Jeep and thinking about what's next. Because it's funny, when we've gone to the Park City uh, car shows here, people are saying, so what would you drive up in? Like, well, right now a Jeep, but I'm kind of thinking, still thinking about, you know, what's uh, what's next well, and it's 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 still brewing I'll, I'll just leave it there I, I wish I had more updates right now but it's it's a financial thing but it's still brewing I, I feel like you bring up a couple of interesting points and one is you, you've kind of touched on this by accident I feel like and that is there's a lot of you that have written to us that are in your early you know your mid-20s or early 30s and you've owned like 10 12 cars first right. off congratulations and secondly I'm astounded because the way I was raised, and I think you were kind of raised similarly, the way I was raised, my parents would buy a car, typically, uh, you can tell by the story, typically they bought a Chevy, but they would buy a car and have it for 10, 15 plus years. I mean, we sold our cars with 200,000 miles on them and we ran them into the ground. So the headspace of buy a car because it's fun and get rid of it when you see another fun one, this was not taught to me. I had to learn this and I didn't learn it. Honestly, you've heard my story a little bit. I didn't learn it until the Z car. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like I was naturally headed down that road with the Firebird. I was so excited about that car, and when the Firebird needed to be kind of lit on fire and driven off a cliff, when that happened, I would have loved to have gotten into something else fun. But my dad had Caprices at that point and went, "Nope, we're doing something realistic. You're driving a Caprice, done." And for the next decade, it was just Caprices, and I was stuck. Okay, but then that Z car like reawakened the guy I was supposed to be. If you follow what I'm saying, I know this sounds weird, but it reawakened that guy. And got me into let's buy a car I love, but I've still had to kind of train myself out of keep a car until it dies. Right. If right. you have that ability to go, because we talk about it all the time, because we believe it, go get yourself car experience. If you can have a car for two years and get something else, man, do it. Do it. Because I agree. I agree. We, we are blessed. We are blessed to get all kinds of car experience in spite of not owning. I mean, you're hearing our lists. Our lists are not that long. Obviously, we're getting into tons of cars we don't own, so we're getting a lot of life experience. But the whole point of our long-term reviews we're starting is because we actually want to start cycling through cars that we have for longer than a press loan, but for less than we're kind of conditioned to. Of, I've had this car for mm-hmm. eight years. I mean, come on. I had the Sabaru for five. Kind of living with things. And that changes Agreed. your perception. Agreed. It changes Absolutely. You know, your approach. I mean, we recently drove that Audi S3 in the M235i. I'm looking forward to sharing that yeah, review with fun everybody. Video. Yep. But, you yep. know, we're... I'm just wondering, had I lived with that S3 a little bit longer, you know, I think our first impressions are generally spot on, and that's what that's what we go with. But it, it'd be nice to live with, you know, some different things. And mm-hmm. you know, speaking of all-wheel drive, there's another question that uh, Ross has in here. I want to touch on real quick. He's asking, can front and all-wheel drive cars make you better the same way, you know, a rear-wheel drive car? Well, Todd and I have owned all of them. Between mm-hmm. all, all the, mm-hmm. the drive configurations between us, we've each owned all the configurations you can possibly yeah, own. You're right. you're and right. I think best proven out in the upcoming ST Octane Academy video that we're going to release here, this is proven mm-hmm. out because both front-wheel drive cars on a track, and you think, uh, I'd, I don't want to drive anything but a rear-wheel drive car on the track. 
beg to differ now. There's so many yeah. dynamics and learning the dynamics of a good front-wheel drive car, in some cases, I'd choose it over other cars. So, yes, well, I, they I can think, they can the make you a better thing. driver in, in yes. all their different respects. You were a better driver with that Saab because, you know, on your ramp out here, you know how you can take that apex. It's going to be different yeah. in the FRS yeah. now, and it's just yeah, going to be it is also training yep. that out of you. I'm sure you're already feeling it. You know that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's here you bring up a great point in that. Here, here's the thing I would say to Ross about drive wheels. It's more important that you find a properly set up car with a good chassis for its drive wheels. I will give you two yeah, great, great examples. Point. Great if point. you went if you went and hopped in the Fiesta ST and the Honda Fit, they're both about the same size. They're both front wheel drive. You're going to learn more about being a good driver in the Fiesta ST than you are in the Honda Fit. And I will acknowledge, I like the Honda Fit. Mm-hmm. It's a perfectly good car. In fact, it's yeah. great for space, and I we've recommended it to people on the podcast. But if you want to learn to be a better driver, Fiesta ST is such a tight chassis, and the way that it rotates as a front-wheel drive car is very unique. And that will absolutely teach you to be a better driver because of the way the chassis is set up. Meanwhile, you could get a Caprice Classic. There's a rear-wheel drive car. You'd think, rear-wheel drive car. I'm going to learn from this. No, you're not. It's a boat. <laughs> right. So right. so what? It, it's not just drive wheels. It's drive wheels in relation to its chassis setup. I mean, we drove, you know, been about 18 months or so ago, but we did a, a, a lukewarm hatches piece, and we drove the standard Subaru Impreza. Oh, yeah, right. Which, which as a car... That's great. Fine. Good, good gas mileage. It's got plenty of space. It's got tech in it. It's got all-wheel drive. It, you know, it's affordable. Nothing wrong. As an enthusiast car, no. Yeah. So yeah. now you have to go into the WRXs of the world. That's a car that because of the chassis tuning, you can learn about it. But if you go into the same corner, the same exact hairpin in an FRS or a WRX or Fiesta ST, they are all going to show you their assets, the way that they are, the things that they do best in that same corner a little bit differently. And as you drive all of those configurations, you're going to learn different things about, oh, the front wheel drive is interesting in the way it turns in. Oh, the all wheel drive, I put my foot in it and it sorts itself out. These kind of things are going to be different as you drive the different configurations, but you have to seek out a chassis that is well tuned for its drive wheels. I think this is why we keep doing the comparisons that we will be doing, searching out for that good balance because we've driven cars that have on paper yeah. the right qualities. They've got all the check boxes and you think, hmm, this is going to be good. I know all-wheel drive car dynamics. I know front engine feels like. I know lightweight. I know stick shift. I think I'm going to like this car and lo and behold, we don't. Or some of the, you know, mm. that's just an example. Or, or some or, other or recipe. Conversely, it surprises us. Yeah. Or yeah, it yeah, surprises me. We think, wow, who knew? You know, I think the the Fiesta ST and the Focus ST took the world and went, you can have a lot of fun and, you know, don't discount front-wheel drive. And I have now admitted I am not any in any way against front-wheel drive. It just kind of mm-hmm. depends on what you're looking for and what your proclivities are. And so I, I think that continually well, I mean, factors the, into what we're doing, which is so great. Even the, you know, back to that lukewarm hatches thing, that base fo- Focus that we drove, it was not the ST. It was just a Focus. It had great handling dynamics compared to everybody else in that group. You yeah, know, it, uh-huh, had, it had uh-huh. other things about it that weren't great, but handling dynamics-wise, that was a really well set up, non-enthusiast-tuned chassis, and it was still a good setup. So I think the the key thing that I would say to you, Ross, is is seek out a car 
that you know is well set up. And you may have to find that out from other people, but seek out a car that you know is well set up, that is in your price point, that has drive wheels that will work for you. If you can do rear wheel drive and great, you know, 50 50 balance, Ultimately, congratulations. Sure. But that's not necessarily real life for a lot of people, and I totally right. get that. I want to say, if you don't mind, I, I know we're running long. If you don't mind, that's I'd like to good. share one quick story about the FRS from the first car meet we took it to. And actually, you and I were there at different times, so I, I had to tell you about this after the fact. But I'd like to share one story about that FRS because I feel like it speaks to lack of experience or or please hmm. experience cars. Hmm. Okay. Well, we, we talked about this a little bit. I remember you, know, you mentioned I, I, this, yeah. Yeah. We, we go to the local Park City cars, uh, cars and Coffee, and it only happens once a month. But you know what? Our friend Jay has gotten it going. Uh, Gavin, who shoots for us, is involved. They, they've tried to really pioneer one in Park City. And kudos to those guys. I, I'd love Absolutely. to see it weekly, but right now it's monthly, and kudos to Jay and Gavin for, for really making but with, this a great But with thing. monthly, the thing I like about monthly is it's an event now, and you can go, I'm going to go this week, which is cool. you know. So anyway, but but you have to understand the, the, the situation, and you and I have laughed about this. I mean – what was your list from this weekend? I mean, some serious cars showed up this past week or so. Yeah, which I really love seeing. It's really turning into a thing, and I'm, I'm loving that. That cars are coming out of the woodwork. You know that? It's great. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But, I mean, remind me. I remember there were like three. And I'm trying to set the stage because I showed up in the FRS. There, was there were a, like three gorgeous air-cooled 911s there. Oh, at least. There was a Z8, BMW Z8. Yes. There was BMW a brand Z8 new, of all things. Uh, brand new Audi RS7. There were was an old Chevy pickup truck. There was two 944s. Um, there were two more, uh, two E90 series M3s. Yeah, there was a 1M there too. That orange 1M. Oh, you're right. That was sitting down yep, on the end. Yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think what else. Uh, loads of just BMWs, just normal BMWs and that kind of thing. Well, and, oh, and, uh, and a, C7 and a Callaway Corvette, C5 Callaway Corvette. A C7, a C7 with the 700 horsepower Hennessy with tune. The Hennessy thing. And so, a yep. Callaway Corvette. Yeah. I mean, there's just money in Corvettes. And then what was that Mercedes? You were you were talking to that guy. What was oh that Mercedes yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. It was an 03 Mercedes SL55 that had had been the body kit was changed. Obviously lowered, uh, front splitter, painted Toyota FJ Series blue. It really was eye-popping. But it was, I love oh, that disca- discussion that you've got a Mercedes <laughs> and you described as FJ Cruiser blue. It's like, hey, so you painted terrible. your luxury car rattle can silver. Good job. Oh, my gosh. It's awful. Anyway. No, um, it, it had an 09 well, had like the, Mercedes body kit on it, and it looked pretty it had sharp. It like the SLS black body kit. It, it, was, it was an interesting car. Yeah. yeah. So th- this was Methane the stage, injected. and I pull up. I pull out. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, he said that thing had gobs of horsepower. That thing was genuinely backed up at its looks. It was fast. Oh, it was. It was. It was a little bit of a Frankenstein monster. But yeah. my, but my point here is, the reason to list these cars is is not only because it was a cool event, but because. Oh, and also uh, we have a friend. Uh, we had a friend named James that showed up in. <clears throat> I have to be honest. I kind of hate you, James. He showed up in his laser blue O5 Lotus Elise oh, with yeah, black right. interior. <laughs> Essentially, if you intend to sell this car, let me know and I'll figure out the body part I need to sell to buy it from you. I still think you should so have pulled the FRS up. around and said straight across, straight across. Seriously. So <laughs> so anyway, so he he's he's a friend of ours and a friend of the show. So he shows up in that. So the yeah. reason I bring up this is not to say you know is only to say look at these cars that the FRS pulls into. I drove an FRS to this thing, okay? This is not uh, this is not a throwdown car in this event in any way, shape, or form. And yet, 
Here was the thing that shocked me. I mean, genuinely shocked me. I did not get out of this car and go, I have an FRS. Look, I bought an FRS. I'm excited. <laughs> I like it. But I know what it is and I know what it isn't. And it's not a I stopped the car show car. It's just not. Other than it's bright orange. I mean, that's, you know, kind of eye searing. But it's yeah, sort of that. It's cool. But I started talking to people at the show. And you wouldn't believe the number of people who said to me, oh, those are so cool. You know, I've never been in one. I, yeah. And I kept thinking... You told me that, and I'm, I kept, I'm amazed by that. Because you and I think no, no, everybody's no, granted. driven that thing. Well, that you would, you, would, you would swear if you read the internet. Now, of course, <clears throat> everything on the internet is true. But you would swear if you yes. read the internet that everyone has driven one, and most people have decided that they're overhyped and they're not as good as you think. But yet here I am among car guys and realizing that most of them I talked to had never been in one. Some of them have never even sat in one. Yeah. And I yeah. kept thinking... Okay, I feel like, now granted, we've been blessed enough to drive it a lot, okay? We, we've been very lucky in that regard. Yes, yes. And now I own one, and that's really cool. But we've driven a lot of stuff. But I really felt like everybody has experienced this car. And here was what was crazy. I took two guys for a ride. I took our friend Sasha, friend of the show. He was asking questions about sports cars because he has a Honda Accord front-wheel drive. He's asking about sports cars. He's thinking about an EcoBoost Mustang. He recently watched our piece. We just got into a discussion about sports cars. He'd never been in an FRS. I took him for a drive. I also took Jay, who helps get this this car thing together for a drive. And Jay's a great guy. Jay has owned – he's Volkswagen he's, guy. He's got a he's, lot of cars and has owned a lot of cars. His list is fascinating. And, but what's but what's crazy is all of his – I didn't know this till he shared it with me. All of his stuff has been Volkswagen Group. And either front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, he'd never driven rear-wheel drive. So I got both these guys, and I said, all right, guys, you have to drive the FRS. You just have to drive it. Yeah, yeah. So, because that's, I mean, hey, if we can share this car, if I had, hey, if I had an R8, I'd put you in it. I, I just want to share cars with people. I, I love that. Which I but love. I don't the have cars that we own and will own can be ambassadors for the show. And and if we're, you know, live with somebody. And for why we love it. We'll share it with them. But the the way that we will with everybody else and everybody listening is to create the long-term videos of it and share Agreed. it in that Agreed. sense. And yeah, I, I want viewers to come away feeling like they've driven that FRS with you mm -hmm. in that car, just mm -hmm. like Jay and just like Sasha. You know that? And, and, and I, I hope so. That's our intention. And so I took Sasha for a drive and I was not I was not hooning this car. I was driving it, but I was not hooning this car. There's a great road near where we meet. Really, really nice road. I'm halfway up this hill. I did a couple of corners, and Sasha turned to me and goes, I get it. <laughs> Which was really cool. That's and cool. then Jay was driving it later. Jay was driving. I, I had Sasha drive it, and Sasha enjoyed driving it. He did a great job. Jay was driving it later, and Jay was marveling about the fact that everything felt so agile and tight and it was all stock, the steering stock, the suspension stock, the, mm -hmm. the stick shift, which he, he asked if it was a short throw shifter. No, it's not. Now, granted, he'd never driven one before. But my point is, in spite of all of the things where this car has been overhyped, and yes, it has, and in spite of the fact that, yes, it's not powerful, I think it's fascinating to put people in a car they've heard about and to have it make a good impression. I agree. And I, I just wish there, was more, there were more ways to get people, you know what, I'm going to say this, and I'm half kidding. We at Everyday Driver should get big enough that we can have come drive fun car events. We'd have to charge for them, but we should That's just get people into idea. cars that is not a it, it's not a test drive. That's what I hate about 
you take an F4S on a test drive, you're not going to like that car. It of course. It's not going to work on a test drive. Course, yeah. You need to go somewhere and hoon it a bit. You need to have that ability to go, oh, this has got good chassis dynamics. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about that ST Octane Academy is that was the real educational part, I thought, for many of those owners and us. Well, I I, I agree. I, I love the idea. I love that, that uh, as I said, these cars that we're going to be owning and, and talking about are going to – you know, help people make decisions. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't usually comment on the quality of these questions, guys, but Ross and Colin, great questions because it's gotten us talking cool. about, you know, all these different dynamics that come into play. And now hopefully you can see how that, what we're thinking about in terms of commentary when we jump in a car and go with our initial impressions because of yeah. everything that we have driven now, doesn't matter if we've owned it or not. Now we can sort of, you know, put that against what we're looking for in our driving styles, and that's where we're coming from when we're talking about these cars. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. I, I think it's great, and it's you know it's going to keep going. You know it's going to continue. Well, which here, is, here's two, two which thoughts. One, I feel like, honestly, you and I are about halfway done with this conversation for just this evening, but we really I ought know. to wrap up. But two, one of the things I continue to like is besides the fact that you and I don't necessarily agree on cars, we drive differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime one of us is on the track with the other one, we're like, "Huh? I didn't <laughs> I do that line." But huh. what's more is we come away that. with s- such similar lap times. I mean, they're very yeah, close. Generally, generally they're pretty close. You're right. But we just like everything else, we're not approaching it the same, which is right. one of the things that makes it cool. Right. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. If you uh, if you have not rated this podcast, you guys have been doing a really good job last couple of weeks. Please rate the podcast. Please go on iTunes. Even if you yeah. just listen and don't the thought, I don't need to rate it. Please do because that's helping us grow. Give us a star rating. Make a comment. Some great comments on there. People are finding the podcast because that raises us in the ratings. I know we keep pounding on it, but it is important. If you get the chance, please go on to iTunes, rate the podcast. If you're on Stitcher, you can leave a rating there as well. So all of this helps, so please be doing that for us. You know, this is uh, approaching one of our longest podcasts ever. I'm kind of digging this. Why this not? It's pretty fun. Yeah, and we could keep going, but I, we really we ought could. to stop. All right. Well, so we'll, we'll table this for part two. Uh, keep the questions coming. As I said, if you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, we do read it. And for Fast Blast mm-hmm. content, just so we can delineate things, keep those suggestions separately, please write to us on our Facebook page for Fast Blast content. And again, if you're in other cities, uh, especially on the West Coast, and you've got something that you know uh, that we would love driving and reviewing, please make those suggestions. If you want to know mm-hmm. uh, you know, differences between rear engine and mid-engine, we've got two films, so pick those up, the 911 film and the <laughs> mid-engine film. And you know what? Nicely done. <laughs> I had to work that in there. And I will say thank you guys for all your suggestions. Congratulations to you for clearing out your garage and, and – uh, uh, you know, <laughs> making it pretty brand new there. I'm loving that. And so I continue to, nuts. it really is. I continue to think and work on my end. So, um, keep the suggestions coming. I even had, uh, Michael, a friend of mine, write to me and he said, uh, 996 GT3. This guy's selling. It's on Craigslist right now. You got to get it. So he, <laughs> these emails will just pop up. So, oh, no. I, I mean, I've had everything from, okay, Paul should get an S2000. You know what? Paul should get a GT3. You know what? Screw that. Do this or whatever. So yeah, I, I'm loving right. this. I don't want to prolong it too much longer, but I, you know, just financially, I'm I'm still not quite there yet. So keep the suggestions coming. Really loving it, and uh, we'll table this for part two. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, and uh, talk to you soon.